Legendary singer and songwriter and Grammy Hall of Famer Aaron Neville joins us now to discuss his new book. Finally got around to writing his memoir. It's called Tell It Like It Is, My Story. For the very first time, Aaron Neville tells his personal story of overcoming poverty, racism, addiction, and loss through faith, family, and music. And I am delighted to have on this program once again, Aaron Neville. When he was last on, I said, Aaron, when that book comes out, you got to honor me, man, and come back for another conversation. And he uh, he kept his word. Aaron Neville, I love you, man. Good to have you on. How are you today, sir? I'm all right, man. Long time. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's been a while since you were last on, but I'm delighted that you kept your word, as I said, and uh, put us on the list. I know everybody's right, trying yeah. to everybody's trying to get one of these conversations that you write about now about this book, but thank you for putting us on the list. I am deeply grateful. Let me jump in and make the most of this time that we have, these 40 minutes that we have to sort of unpack. There's a lot in this book, and I can't do justice to it in 40 minutes, but there are a number of things that I want to sort of tease out uh, in this book, Tell It Like It Is My Story. I, I teased... Uh, the audience earlier and said, well, if you're Aaron Neville, you write a book, what else are you going to call it? You got to call it, tell it like it is. So, <laughs> so the title, the title did not surprise me, uh, not one bit, but let me just read, let me read from uh, one passage. I'm going to read a few passages. I want to read from this passage right quick. When I was born, okay. when I was born, I came out knees first and almost killed my mother. That was January 24, 1941. And if that wasn't enough, I butted her in the mouth and cracked her tooth while she was holding me in her loving arms. I guess I wasn't easy even then, but through it all, she still loved me. You gave your mom a hard time, but I want to start this conversation by asking you as a black man to tell me about your mother, Aaron Neville. Hey, man, my mother was, like all my friends used to tell me, I said, man, so was your mother with my mother. Mm. She had the best understanding, and you know, uh, you couldn't fool her with nothing, you know. So like, uh, but with our, with her family, with our kids, when my my father and my uncle used to go on the on the ships, Russian Marines, she would take care of us, and you know, back in the Cali project, mm-hmm. put her on the floor with us, making puzzles and telling us stories and singing to us. I mean, it couldn't have been no better than that. She's a wonderful person, and I always say I like to look. At the, at the world through her eyes, you know, because she was always, she never frowned. She always had a pleasant look on her face. Mm-hmm. You know, what 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 what's it what's it mean for you to see the world through the eyes of your mother? That's a beautiful phrase. Never heard it quite put that way. But when you see the world through the eyes of your mother, what do you see? I see understanding, and you know, uh, that, that's the word right there. Understanding yeah. of, of people and and things, you know, and situations and all and she was just uh that one of my favorite songs is a song called my mother's eyes mm. yeah yeah one bright and shining light that taught me wrong from right mm. yeah. i found in my mother's eyes yeah it's a powerful lyric man i know that song it's a powerful powerful lyric mm-hmm. you you mentioned the calio oh, yeah. you mentioned the calio projects and uh for those who know anything about uh New Orleans, uh these projects have been famous or infamous uh for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh tell me about uh, tell me about your story of growing up in the Calio projects. Well, we were uh one of the first families to move back there. I was like one year old when we moved there. Mm-hmm. And it was like a we had an oval playground part like, you know, in between the buildings that uh that uh, pavement where we could skate or ride our bicycles around it. I mean, it was like he- heaven. It was a, a village. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because you knew everybody, everybody knew you, and if you'd done something you wasn't supposed to do, you might get two or three spankings, you know. <laughs> but it was all about love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I got my share. <laughs> yeah, I know you did. I know you did. We'll talk about that a little later in this conversation. You got your share. Um, give, give, give me a sense of what it was like um, growing up in that particular era. Um, this is segregated. This is segregated America. What's it like growing up in New Orleans? We all love New Orleans. We all love to hang out there. Um, can't have a better time than in New Orleans. The food and the fun and the people, all the love in New Orleans. Uh, what was it like growing up as a black person in New Orleans then, Aaron Neville? Well, for my first 13 years, I was uh, in the projects, and we were, like, safe, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, it was a... Uh, we didn't know what was ever going on in the world mm -hmm. until I got mid-13, and we moved up to the 13th ward, and and it all broke loose, you know, where you go into the store and put your money on the counter, God threw, your, threw the chains back at you and stuff like that, you know? Mm hmm and the colored fountains and the colored bathrooms and, and on the streetcars or the buses they had a, something they called a, a screen. It was a piece of wood that they put in between the, the seats to, to the white sit in the front and the black sit in the back. So, you know, but it was a way of life. You didn't, you didn't think twice about it. You know, you just done what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it's fascinating. I, I, I listened um, to that line you used a moment ago. And I never quite thought about it that way. Here you are uh, moving to the 13th Ward when, you, when, you, when you're 13, but you've been inside the Calio projects. And I love that phrase that you felt protected in the projects. It wasn't until, it wasn't until you left the projects that you got exposed to all that nonsense. But we, never, we never tend to think of housing tenements. We never think of projects as being protective of black life. But it's just fascinating to hear you say that you felt protected inside the, inside the Calio. It's when you went out that all this other stuff got in your way that you got exposed to. Well, yeah, you know, I made 13 years old and moved up town, and me and my friend Melvin, but we had, how we got to be friends, uh, in the 13th ward, my, my great aunts had tr uh, Trinity Church, and they would give picnics to go to Beater Springs or Waveland, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like about five years old the first time I went, but every year I'd go, me and this guy Melvin was sitting next to each other. We were the same age, feet dangling, wasn't even touching the floor, and we wouldn't say a word to each other. Mm -hmm. And we would uh bonded, you know, like like blood brothers. So when I got back out in the thirteenth ward it was uh I was gonna some adventure, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was definitely some adventure because me and him went, you know, walking the streets and getting in fights and going to different neighborhoods and stealing cars and all that. Mm -hmm. I mean joy riding in the cars. Because you know? yeah. 'Cause we'd bring them back to leave them close to where we took them. <laughs> Yeah, adventure is one word for it, Aaron Neville. We'll, we'll, we'll stick with that, adventure. We'll use that word. Um, <laughs> since, since you mentioned church, um, your fans all know you by the dagger tattoo on your cheek. We'll get to that a little bit later, uh, I suspect. We also know you by that St. Jude medallion earring. Um, and since you mentioned church, let me just ask you right quick, um, what role church has played in your life, uh, specifically um, as a young man? Well, it was big in my life. I went to Catholic school until eighth grade, mm -hmm. and I uh, went to the Catholic church, and that's where I got introduced to the song Ave Maria, mm -hmm. which I never knew the words. I just knew the refrain part, you know, but it used to do something to my heart, you know, mm -hmm. and I would sing it sometime, maybe just like like medicine, you know. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. But you got you got you got exposed to that though. You're saying through the church though. Yeah. 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 Um. When you when you when you hear that song or when you sing that song, tell me more. I mean, Ave Maria is an amazing song. Anybody who's ever heard it, I think has probably been moved by it. But what what does it specifically do for you, Aaron? No. Like I said, it was like medicine going through my my veins, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, when me and Linda Ronstadt got together, that was the first thing we sang together because she was Catholic. We sang it in harmony. Mm. And uh, when she she co-produced my first solo album on in in records with uh, um, George Massenburg, and that was the first thing she came up there. And you got to do Ave Maria. And she fixed it so I could go to do it in San Francisco at Grace Grace Cathedral, mm. but all boys choir singing behind me. Mm, yeah, you can't you and can't strength put the strength in. You know, it was like a special song. Yeah, you can't beat that, man. You can't beat Grace Cathedral with a choir behind you, all boys choir. And then you put the strings in. You oh, can't yeah. you can't do much better than that. Since you went there, I'm gonna follow you. I'm, we're gonna bounce around here. But since you mentioned Linda Ronstadt, uh, let me just step aside and let you talk about that relationship. Any one of your fans knows uh, and celebrates the work that you and Linda Ronstadt have done uh, together. Uh, there's a whole chapter in this book dedicated to Linda Ronstadt. So just talk to me about that relationship, personally, musically, uh, about that relationship between you and Linda Ronstadt. Well, actually, she also was one of my angels, you know, because, like, she came into my life 1984 at the World's Fair in New Orleans, and me and my brothers were playing Pete Fountain's Club, mm -hmm. and Linda was playing the, the amphitheater with Nelson Riddle, and after our show, she came to see us, and somebody told me she was in the audience. So I dedicated a song to her, and I called up on stage. But she told the press later that she don't usually do stuff improper like that. Mm. She usually had to rehearse, but she wasn't going to say no to Aaron Neville. Uh, and after the show, I asked for autographs. She said to Aaron, love, I'll sing with you anytime, any place, anywhere, in any key. Mm. <laughs> so that was the beginning of it. Yeah, so the next year, me and Alan Toussaint had an organization called New Orleans Artists Against Hunger and Homeless. Mm -hmm. We were trying to help the hunger people in New Orleans. And we invited her down, and she she came running down to do it. And uh, like I said, man, I sang at Alan Toussaint's studio, uh, Ave Maria in, in Harmony. Mm. And her manager, Peter Asher, said, oh, man, y'all should do a record together. And I was trying to be cool, but I was geeked. That's all we had. Thing with Linda Ronstadt, you know? Yeah, and, and, so, the, uh, and the rest, as they say, is history. The two of them got together. Uh, when, we come forward, yeah. I, I, when we come forward, I want to ask Aaron Neville about the music they've made. He tells about the relationship with Linda Ronstadt and how that got together. But I'm curious to get his take on the music that they've made together. His new memoir is called Tell It Like It Is, My Story. Aaron Neville is our guest right now on Tavis Smiley. Hope, agency, dignity. This is Tavis Smiley. Singing was always the thing I loved the best. When I'm singing, that's when I'm happy. More than happy. Whenever I'm singing, I am trying to connect with the angels in heaven. I can make the notes so soft and smooth that it would make an angel's wings flutter and definitely reach God's ears. Ventures, ventures to ease. 
That's a passage from the new memoir from Aaron Neville. It's called Tell It Like It Is, My Story. Aaron Neville is our guest in this hour. So, Aaron, so that's what you're doing all this time. I didn't know when you're singing, you're trying to connect with the angels in heaven. Well, yeah, and you know, like I read something about from St. Augustine said that he who sings prays twice. Mm. And that always stuck with me, you know, because I'm def I definitely be praying, you know, I'm singing. Yeah. It's like a cleansing, you know, it's like a, it's like a cleansing. Yeah, a cleansing, yeah. Tell me about your style. When, whenever people hear your voice, and there are, there are only a handful of voices like this, but the minute you hear it, you know that you know the artist and we hear your voice we know that it's aaron neville tell me about that process of making the notes as you put it so soft and so smooth well it all started back in the Calhoun project with my brother art they had a doo-wop group you know like him and a guy named isica garden and a guy named turk and uh he used to run me away get away from me kid mm. until they figured i could hold the notes and they let me sing with him and and learned, showed me how to do all the harmonies and all. And uh, so between the doo-wops, my dad and mom had all the Night King Cole, Charles Brown, stuff like that. And I'd go to the movies and see the cowboys and learn how to yodel with them, you know. <laughs> so all that's a combination. Yeah, it's a combination. So I call it vocal gymnastics. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what it is, vocal vocal gymnastics and can't nobody do it uh, like Aaron Neville again his book is called tell it like it is uh that hit let me let me let me let me just do this right quick so that 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 first number one hit tell it like it is tell it like it is was released what 1966 is that right 66 right yeah, yeah November 66 yeah take take me back to November 66 and that song and how it became your first number one hit just tell you about the song Aaron well, a guy named Lee Diamond wrote it for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went to the studio, and I, I took maybe about five takes. They took the first take, you know, because of the innocence. You know, you're not, you're not thinking about it then. You're just doing it. Mm -hmm. After that, you're trying to duplicate. But uh, I, I was <clears throat> had an eye on a, on an up-tempo song that I liked. And my brother Ortiz said, no, this is right here. Tell like it is. And sure enough, it came out. It was sold like 40,000 in New Orleans the first week. Mm. And with the climbing the shorts. And I'm out on the streets, you know. And uh, <laughs> it was crazy. Mm. What, what, what's, what's it like being out on the streets <laughs> and everybody listening to your track? Uh, you, you you just hanging out and your song is selling like hotcakes. Yeah, well, you know, I had to get my mind right. Uh, sort of, anyway. Yeah, sort of, anyway. I, I like that. Because I had people... I had people coming at me all kind of ways to manage me, and nobody would tell me nothing, you know, that made sense. You know, and this guy named Joe Jones, he was an artist, and uh, he managed the Dixie Cups, a girl group, and uh, Alvin Shine Robinson, mm -hmm. a bad guitar playing singer. And he came in, and he made the most sense, so he got me my first photo shoot, you know, and bought, got clothes that suits made, and music and whatever whatever I needed, yeah. you know? Yeah. And uh, got me to the Apollo Theater. And that, that that was a highlight. Man, I made it to the Apollo. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, I'm, I'm looking at the book, uh, and 
the the cover on the on the back, uh, the photo on the back is amazing. Speaking of you getting your suit and first getting started, mm-hmm. this 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 photo on the back of the book is it a pretty amazing photo, Aaron Devil. Yeah, yeah, I was real proud of it. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I see. <laughs> I, I can tell by the polls. Yeah. By the polls, I, I'm yeah, proud man, of. That's me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can tell. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned earlier that we know you for a couple of things when we see you. We know you for that St. Jude medallion earring that you always wear, but we also know you uh, from that dagger tattoo on your cheek. Tell me about that dagger tattoo on your cheek and why it's there and when it when it when it, when it first appeared and what's that about? Well. It's something I wanted when I was in the project. Guys used to have tattooed like a cross in the middle, right between the eyes. One dude had a skull. This was almost a skull and cross bomb, but my daddy would have killed me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine named Jason Pickett, it was my 16th birthday, and I wanted it. He said, I'm a mama back step. He tied a couple of needles around a matchstick and put the Indian ink on and stuck, you know, stuck the tattoo in. Mm. And when my daddy come on, he made me scrub it with Brillo pad and oxygen soap. <laughs> the skin came over the tattoo, and so mm. yeah, it's, you know, it's been with me since I was sixteen years old. Wow, wow! Um, in this book, you are very transparent. You're very open about the good, the bad, and the ugly, the difficult of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a beautiful poem that uh, opens up the book about how all that you have endured. Uh, has allowed you to become the man that you are. But you, you had your bouts with the law. Um, you had your bouts with addiction. Uh, tell, tell me about your bouts with the law as a young man. Oh, man, but uh, uptown the 13th Ward, they had the second district police station, you know, and uh, they, we were there play things. You know, they'd come around our neighborhood and we'd be by the bar or whatever. Get inside, get inside, you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. He just took us to jail. Um, there was one guy named Turtle. He messed with me every time he saw me. He said, he'd come around and pop me singer. Oh, that rock and roll singer. You know you're going to jail. Mm-hmm. One day he'd come and got me off my mother's porch. I said, man, what am I going to jail for? Oh, we'll think of something by the time we get there. <laughs> so, man, it was crazy. Yeah. And uh, when they pick you up, it's, it's, it's uh, mandatory 72 hours. And... um they know you're on drugs and all that, so they know you're going to withdraw and stuff. And each time the shift change, they bring you to the central lockup and bridge in front of the lineup. And if you just happen to look like somebody, you can wind up with a charge on, you know? Mm. Uh, when we come forward, I want I want to let Aaron Neville tell you uh, about the time he spent in prison. Uh, he, he spent some time behind bars. Uh, he's very honest and open about that in the book. We'll talk about his heroin addiction. Uh, his loss through faith, family, and music. It's an honest book. If you're going to write a memoir, you might as well tell the truth. Aaron Neville does in his new book, Tell It Like It Is, My Story. You're listening to Aaron Neville right now on Tavis Smith. Honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Few people have known up until now the challenging and circuitous road that Aaron Neville took to fame, born in a housing project in New Orleans. Uh, we talked about Calliope earlier in this conversation. Uh, he is a person of black and Native American heritage. He struggled as a teenage father, working to raise a family while building his career as a musician, surviving a stint in jail for car theft, and for many years battling heroin addiction. He tells all of that in his new book, Tell It Like It Is, My Story. Aaron Neville is our guest right now. 
on Tavis Smiley. Um, Aaron, look back for me right quick. Um, and I'm, I'm, let, me, let, me, let me back up for a moment and say this. Uh, I've interviewed so many people, as you know, over the course of my career. I've been honored to talk to pretty much everybody. Uh, and when these memoirs come out, I'm always struck by people um, who are willing to be transparent and open and tell the truth in a memoir. And I can always tell the other folk who write a memoir for a variety of reasons, but they really wasn't getting at the truth. They really didn't tell it like it was uh, in their books. I'm glad that you were open and transparent in this book. But tell me about that time in jail for car theft. Oh, yeah, I was like 18, something like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I I wound up going to court, I got busted like about three or four times for auto theft. So uh, the judge said, wow, this is the first time I ever had a four-time first offender. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me, to, sent me to six months in the parish prison. And uh, I remember the first night I was in there, I went to sleep and I had a dream that I had broke out. <laughs> I was all up and down, Bourbon Street everywhere in New Orleans. And uh, all of a sudden I had to get back in or something bad was going to happen. I'm trying everything I could to get back and I couldn't. I couldn't get back in the jail. Mm. And when I woke up and saw the balls, I said, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a heck of a dream. <laughs> when you wake yeah. up and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm still behind these bars. No, that, that I, I, I get that. Um, how, how did you, uh, just watching my time here, after years of battling heroin addiction, how did you ever break that cycle, Aaron Neville? Well, I broke it a few times. But the heroin, uh, I had got tired of it like 1981. Uh, the Neville Brothers, we've, we've been touring, and, you know, I was able to get off the, the riverfront and start from doing, uh, made, uh, what you call it, labor. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we played at Tipitina's one night, and Bette Middler was there, and she saw me sing Tell Like It Is, and she slid down off our stool and swooned, like, you know. Mm. And she asked us, y'all have a, uh, have a contract? We said, no. So she called Herb Alpert and Jerry Moss at A&M Records, hey, amen. Check these guys out. So that was 1981. I think it was time me to, to uh, make a change, you know, like, because back then you, you didn't hear nothing about rehab because rehab was like for rich people. But yeah. our manager at the time, Bill Johnson, he set it up so after we finished doing this album, uh, Fire on the Body, that I would come home and go into a rehab at DePaul. It used to be a sanitarium, mm-hmm. a rightful place, you know, sanitary. Yeah. Because the stuff... Definitely was crazy. Yeah, and and, uh, so, mm-hmm. and in that one visit, in that one visit, you were able to get off of it. Oh, uh, got a little hair on there. Yeah, yeah, and that must well, have, yeah, yeah. But things happened, you know. Like I was off from, I was eighty one, ninety one. The, the brothers went to Japan, Australia, and New Zealand, and the first night my back went out on me. And uh, if I came home, the gigs would have folded because my record was big over there. Yeah. So I stayed, and I had to go everywhere in a wheelchair, and sit, sit down on the stage and sing. And it was a, a bulging disc pressing up against the nerve that hurt everything in my body. But once I sat down on the stage and started singing, I didn't think about it, you know. Yeah. And and then, so when I got back home, the doctor put me on Vicodin. Yeah. And, you know, I'm hit to the opioid, so so uh, I did this for a while, and and. 2002, I had to go into a rehab. I and, told and deal with that. My son, I haven't been to a rehab in L.A., yeah. uh, Pasadena, called Offense Centers. 
Yeah, that that addiction that addiction thing ain't no joke. Whether it's heroin or, or Vicodin, uh, you got to fight through it. And I'm glad you did. Our remaining moments with Aaron Neville when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. Interrogating and unpacking. That's what we do around here. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. I told you I couldn't do justice to Aaron Neville's memoir in uh, even 60 minutes. Tell it like it is. My story is the new book uh, from Aaron Neville. It's been fascinating to hear him talk about all the angels um, in his life. His mother, uh, his first wife, his wife now, his sister. uh, He writes about that in the book. You heard him talk about Linda Ronstadt and Bette Midler. So many angels uh, in his life. There's There's a poem uh, and I, I'm not sure I want to read Aaron Neville stuff, but let me take, let me take my best stab at it. This is a poem written by Aaron Neville. Uh, for those who listen to this program regularly, you've heard Aaron on this program before. And he's read some of his poetry for us on this program, but this is the poem that begins, um, the book. It's the first page of the book. Uh, tell it like it is my story by Aaron Neville. I've walked through this world sometimes without a friend. My life has been up and down, been close to an end, but I've been through the mill and I paid my dues, walked so many miles in different people's shoes. But I've been through the fire, and I've walked in the rain. I felt the joy and endured the pain. Once I was a schemer, but I always was a dreamer. But it took me who I was and where I've been to make me who I am. That's a proud piece of work, Aaron Neville. Well, it's a song also, you know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a... To make me who I am is uh is on the album entitled that to make me who I am. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful, beautiful piece, and I, I love and I cracked the book open when I first got it that you started the book with that. Um, I've enjoyed this conversation, Aaron Neville, as I always do whenever we get a chance to hang out. The book is called Tell It Like It Is, Aaron Neville. I want to close with uh, Aaron singing a little bit of Amazing Grace. You talk in the book about why you love this song so much. Tell me quickly why you love Amazing Grace, Aaron Neville. Oh, it's my, it's like my testimony <laughs> mm-hmm. you know definitely saved me yeah there you go and there you have it Aaron Neville thanks for the book congratulations on it uh, good to have you on this program thank you for your time I appreciate you sir it's been a pleasure Tavis all the best to you my friend just like that three hours gone we thank once again WVON 1690 AM for picking up the Tavis Smiley show officially today I uh, look forward to giving you some great shows in the uh, months and years to come uh, to all you who listen today thank you for checking us out uh, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening to Tavis Smiley. And as always, keep the faith.